Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing sermon for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook, grab a pen, and get ready to hear of the more that God has for us. And um, so we're excited. We have come to the end of our Move Again series, and it's been so amazing just to chat to people and hear how people have made decisions to move again. For some simple things, like moving into getting rhythms of reading the Word, And I want to encourage you, if there's one thing you take, that you can take the Word of God, you can allow the Word of God to feed, you can allow the Word of God to speak into your story. And I want to challenge and charge us to be a people of the Word. And if that means making some rhythm changes to your life, maybe getting up 20 minutes earlier, scandal, absolute scandal, yes, it might just change your life. And then just hearing the testimonies of people who've been challenged as the series of moving out of slavery and moving out of what was the new normal and moving into more, taking a hold of God in areas like marriage, conversations where couples have had conversations around, actually, you know what, we've settled for average. We've slipped into average. I don't think average is what God had designed when he designed marriage. I really don't. It's, a, it's, it's, it's something he's calling us to the more, to the abundance. And I want to charge us and challenge us in the area of our marriages. What about areas like parenting? Anyone else entering the teenagers? The danger zone. It's all part of it. And God has to lead us. He wants to lead us. He wants to talk us. I don't want to be an average dad. I'm okay being an average preacher. Is that all right? I don't want to be an average dad. I've got three boys. They need me to be my best. And I'm trying. Sometimes I fail, but I need to be on a journey with God to move again. And the challenge of, of the series, and the biggest challenge is for 400 years, God's people spent behind the walls of captivity. As Pharaoh and the Egyptian nation held them captive and made them do their slave labor, their lifting, their heavy lifting, giving them the bare minimum. And it became the new normal for God's people. And maybe you've heard that. There's the new normal. Will it become the new normal for God's people? Slavery was the norm for God's people. People were born, and every time a child was born into the people of God, they were born into slavery. It was normal. And yet it's not normal again, God's design. And we need to understand what has become our new normal and actually evaluate them according to the Word of God. Because the Word of God challenges what the world calls normal. In every area of life, I want to tell you the Word of God has a perspective And the Word of God will speak, and the Word of God will call us, and will challenge what the world says is normal. And we, the believers, need to take His Word and say, okay, God, what does that mean for my life? What does that mean for this story that you've called me to? So, love the Move Again series, and God calls us and teaches us that in this journey, as we navigate, there's always a fight. There's always a fight. And I'm not talking about fighting on Facebook. That's not the fight I'm calling us to. Paul spoke about it this way. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And I love Paul's honesty and he challenged. He says, there is a good fight. He says, I have fought the good fight. I want to tell you there's also a bad fight. There's a waste of time fight. As I watch pastors fighting on Facebook, I'm going, stop it. The gospel will not win. The gospel wins when we tell people about Jesus. The gospel wins when we keep going on mission. The gospel wins when Jesus is the everything and the all things. And we, have, we submit ourselves to his ways. We get rid of our offenses and we move forward. Fight the good fight. It starts early in the morning with his presence in our life. But today's a bit of a family day. 
It's a bit of a life changes family. So if you're visiting or it's your first time in church, it's a bit of a family day as we've finished our series and we're navigating, and there's something big that's happening. But it didn't start today. It started 22 years ago when a man named Wally and his wife Shirley came to Cape Town. They said, we want to see the name of Jesus lifted high, and they started reaching their neighbors in Jenny Lane in Vloberg. And then years later, navigating the story, planting churches in Jay Bay and planting church in, in Brackenfell, stepping into more. And then we planted in Milton six years ago as this place was full and the kids were full and the Life Kids teachers were going, get me out of here. Mostly because of my own children, obviously not yours. And, uh, and, and they were saying, actually, we need, and we were growing, so we planted into Milton High School and that has now transitioned to Life Changes Century City. And on a Sunday morning, there is a beautiful congregation of people who gather who are our family on mission with us, navigating and gathering. And then we've planted into the city on Sunday nights. But I want to show you as today we launched into our new field and, and our new zone that God has called us home in Century City. As for years, we have kind of done a low-risk strategy. Who are the business guys in the room? They know you get different types of strategies. But you get a low-risk strategy. Like, let's take a rental and we'll go into a school and we'll pack up and set up every Sunday. And that has been phenomenal. It was especially fun when I arrived at Milton High School one morning and there was an MMA wrestling ring where the pulpit was. So I preached from the middle of an MMA rest. It was awesome. It was like living my best life. I'm an MMA fighter for this morning. It's like no one has fights me. Thank the Lord. It was just Jesus in the ring. It was fine. But we've navigated towards a venue of our own and a home of our own. I'm going to show you some photos just to give you some context. That is our home. You can see it from a mile off. Um, that yellow is very bright. It's so bright. I reckon Elon and his mates in SpaceX can see it. From up there. Can we show some more photos? We've got a few more um, in this incredible event. Just remember, we started setting up on Monday. And that is the venue. I think we got one or two more photos. This is the team praying this morning um, and, and worshiping this morning. Come on. And um, we are a people of adventure. We're people of trusting God and navigating. And one of the things that we said is we felt God speak to us as a leadership team a while back. And it started a process of trusting God for more. One of those processes was starting to trust Him. Could we live with margin in our financial story as a church? And I went to a conference in America where a pastor got up of a very big church. He said, in our constitution when they launched, they put a principle that they would never spend more than 90% of the previous year's income. They just wouldn't. Meaning they would always have 10% margin saved for when God brought opportunities and to be able to step in opportunities. And that same pastor, they launched in 1996 when the crash happened in 2008. That pastor bought a university, got half of it for 20 cents on the dollar, and got the other half free. I've been to that campus. It's unbelievable. Why? Because there's faith in navigating margin. We've done that for the last six years, which has allowed us to begin to explore options and possibilities for our Century City campus. And, and, and it's meant we've paid a price. And even this congregation, you've paid a price. We haven't done new bathrooms that we want to do. We haven't done certain things. But with a passion, why? Because we believe in church planning. We believe in reaching people through building in lampstands in the church. And around our world, as churches are being sold off as pubs and other venues, I'm telling you, God is calling the church to advance and see his kingdom come. And so he called us to buy that field. That was the language we use. And it came from this scripture, Jeremiah 32. You have said to me, O Lord God, buy your, for yourself the field with money and call in witnesses. Although the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans, then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? 
And I want to give you some context to that scripture because that was the word that came by that field. And yet, it's easy to get stuck on a little mantra without knowing, well, what's the context? What's happening there? Well, let me tell you, Jeremiah, he's the writer of the book of Jeremiah. He's also the guy given the, the acclaim of writing the book of Lamentations, how to write sad songs to God. You should read it. It's beautiful. And, and he's this reluctant prophet who in his 20s, God grips him and calls him to this ministry of speaking the word of God to the people of God. It's a challenging, challenging job because he didn't get one of those nice ones like Isaiah, extend your tents and go big and God will be with you. He got a Sierra of time where God says, I need my prophet to speak warnings and you're going to get the challenge of speaking. And this is what his job restriction was. You're going to speak over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. It's like, that's your job description. Who's keen? Who wants that job? You're going to go in? Sometimes you're going to pull down. Like, you're not just going to get the encouragement. He got a very tough gig, an incredibly tough job. It wasn't this message that was gentle and affirming, and it was, your job is to disrupt business as usual. As my people have lost their focus, and I'm concerned on the direction they're going, and I need you to speak words of warning to call them back. It's not a fun job. And so he speaks, and he's in prison at the time. Let me read Jeremiah 1 from Jeremiah 32, verse 1, which is before where we read earlier. The word of the Lord, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, great names, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was, the, which was in the king's of Judah's house. So he gets this word, and he comes, we're going to buy that field. Where did he get it? Number one, they are besieged by the enemy, which means they're in Jerusalem, and the enemy is all around. Babylonians are attacking them. This is not a good situation. Not only that, Jeremiah's in the stockade, and his mates are visiting him. He's there. In the prison's court, where the guys would, where the prison warders would stay and they would get time to see their visitors, he's there, possibly, probably in some form of restrainment, and God is speaking to him, and the word of the Lord comes to him there. Maybe you feel like that now. You're like, I feel like I'm in chains. I feel like the enemy's all around, and I just want to hear God say, Stay safe. I just want to hear God say, Be comfortable. I just want to hear God say, Just spoil yourself. Maybe a facial, like Quentin. Just a. That's what you, that is what you take. No, and, and in that situation, in that context, God brings a word. I want you to buy a field. So let's understand it a bit more. Because why was he in prison? For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had, him shut, had shut him up saying, why do you prophesy and say, thus says the Lord? Behold, I will give this city into the hand of king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And the Zedekiah king of Judah shall not escape the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon, and shall speak with him face to face, and see him eye to eye. Then he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there he shall be until I visit him, says the Lord. Though you will fight with the Chaldeans, you shall not succeed. So that's the word that Jeremiah brought. No wonder he's in prison. God says to him, what I need you to do, Jeremiah, I need you to go to the king. Say to him, you're going to fight, you're going to lose, you're going to be taken a prisoner of war, you're going to be marched off to your enemy's land. No happy ending in that story. That's the word of the Lord. It's, it's, it's just going to be a problem. So the king chucks him away, and that's why he's in prison. But I need to understand, 
that an incredible deal happens in prison as a man makes a deal to buy property in a war zone. Because this is the context. And Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, behold, that guy, Hannibal Lecter, the son of Shalom, your uncle, will come to you saying, buy my field, which is in Anathoth. Let me just explain Anathoth. It's three kilometers outside of the walls of Jerusalem. It's already been besieged. The Babylonians have already taken that land. It's already in the hands of the enemy. And God's saying, I need you to go buy that land. He says, your cousin's going to come to you. Buy that land. For the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, Please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. So this is what's going on. His brother cousin comes to him and says to him, You have birthright. Meanwhile, there would have been many others in the family line who would have had first right to that land. Because he knows that land is in the hands of the enemy and maybe thinks his cousin who's in jail wouldn't know that yet. The kind of internet was slow in those days. Didn't have access to Google in jail like they do these days. And so he comes to him, his cousin, and says, you need to buy this land. But God has already spoken. It's an amazing thing that God has spoken. The security, the knowledge. And Jeremiah, although he brought a hard word, God had always been faithful to his word. Every prophecy had brought, God had always fulfilled every prophecy and every promise. So when he received this hard word, he knew his cousin was going to come to him. He knew his cousin was going to offer him the worst deal in the world. This is the worst deal in the world. This is your cousin phoning you from Ukraine right now in a penthouse and saying, you won't believe it. You just will not believe it. I have the deal of deals for you. And it'll come with some spice and some, you know, some good language and everything. But, but you need to buy this property. It's the best deal. But it's the worst deal. It's a war zone. And I'm not trying to minimize what's happening in Ukraine. I'm trying to give you real-time perspective of what's going on here. God speaks to a man who knows his voice, who's trusted his voice. God says, I want you to buy that field. It makes no sense. No sense. He says, buy that field. See, was there ever a more insensitive prison visitor as his cousin comes and visits him in prison? Has there ever been a more insensitive visitor ever? I don't think so. Sorry, that was just me. That's how mind won't work. So I'm like, what? I'm in jail. Buy the land. I know it's under siege. And so he bought the land. And he buys it. Why? Because God spoke. And the presence, he does it. And this is the first deed of sale you see. In all of history, the legal books that Pele reads for kind of bedtime reading, um, this is the very first deed of sale that is produced. And I love it because he doesn't mess around with it. And he, the lesson from the property is this, that God will restore. It's the lesson. Because he says this, Then I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this purchase deed, which is sealed, and this deed, which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel that they may last many days. For thus says the whole Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So they're under siege, and they're going to lose. And God said they're going to lose. So he signs the deal, but he puts it in a vessel so that that deed and that promise and that land can be protected. No one can ever come, even if it's under siege, and ever come and say it's their land. Why? Because God has a promise of restoration. 
And God says, I'll restore every vineyard, I'll restore every land, and I will come. You'll lose it now, but I will restore. This is the gospel, if you don't know. Why are we planting? Why are we pioneering? Why are we trusting? And when a man came to me and said, there's this opportunity in Century City, can I be honest what my natural heart did? That's nice. Like the disciples who went to see that Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore. What did they do? They just went home. That's what the Bible said. Mary stayed. Mary trusted. But their apathetic hearts, apathetic hearts just went home. And I can tell you now, even as we navigated and we've navigated the season towards this point of moving in, there's the, the temptation to challenge and say, God, was it you who spoke? Is it you who spoke? We all do that. Because God, when I did the pros and cons on the spreadsheet, you know, Excel, Lord, have you heard of Excel? It's incredible. <laughs> when I did it on the spreadsheet and I did the SWOT analysis and then I overlaid them and I moved all the salt and pepper shakers, it didn't make sense, God. I'm so sorry, but your plan failed. And God's saying, no, I'm the God who even though man thinks he can take it all, I can restore and I will restore. Whether it's the life, whether it's lives that are now dead, but he wants to bring to life. Whether it's marriages that are now dead, he'll bring to life. When it's relational parenting situations, he'll bring it to life because it's who he is. But in this, we have to understand that there's a connecting of the promise of restoration and the purchase of this land. And it goes like this, for thus says the Lord, just as I've brought all this great calamity on this people, so I will bring on them all the good that I've promised them. And fields will be bought in this land of which you say, it is desolate, without man or beast, it has been given into the hands of the Chaldeans. Men will buy fields for money, sign deeds and seal them, and take witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the places around Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the south. For I will cause their captives to return. Captives to return. What is church? It's the captives to return. What is church? If not uh, the God's light to a world, not a, a city on a block corner, but a light that shines, that those who don't know that they are sons and daughters of the living God, those who have not received the grace of God, those who have been washed by the blood of Jesus, those who are fighting economic systems could be, respond to the love of a glorious God, and the captives will return. And in the front row of, I just popped out between services to our Century City location, and, and, and there's a lady sitting, and she's the mother of Fiona, part of the planting couple, who when Fiona gave her life to Jesus, she didn't want to talk to her for six months. Then Fiona said, well, we're planting a church. Could you come? I don't want to, but I'll come because I'm the mother and I have to be there. And she came. You know who's the first baptism at Century City Church? Karen Ralston. And I'm going, thank you, God. For the captives returning home. So the captives return. But there's another scripture in the Bible that speaks of buying a field as well. So we see the context of Jeremiah and the word of the Lord God coming to his prophet saying, buy that field. And he's going, but it's a war zone. God says, I'll return the captives and I'll restore. There's another man who spoke about a field as well. His name was Jesus. Matthew 13 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. He bought the field. I love this story because as we understand, there's always one main thing coming out of Jesus' parables. And this is the main thing. The kingdom of God is so valuable that losing anything else but getting the kingdom of God is a perfect trade-off. Anything else that I would not give up the joy that I received being part of the kingdom of God for instantaneous joy now. We live in a world of transactions. 
He's saying, no, no. They see this man sold everything he had and he did it with joy. There was another man called the rich man who Jesus said, would you go and sell and come back? And he couldn't. We don't know his name. This guy says, he did it with joy. He bought the field with joy. And so as we navigate and we move from a, a situation where we have leased this land and have an agreement with the owner, which is an incredible, gracious solution that they provided, and we are moving and we are buying this land. And we're going to buy it over the next months to come and, and move into that as we've navigated uh, deposit amounts, which is significant. Because here's what I went to. I went to spoke to three friends who've done building projects, and I said, tell me what banks do you speak to? You know what they all said? None of them. <laughs> I said, why? I said, they don't want to talk to you. But I went and spoke to the banks. And you know what? They were right. <laughs> it was awesome. Until God graciously did, and a great friend of mine who I just saw did a big deal. I phoned him and said, hey, you don't have an opportunity. And I spoke to a bank and I said, we'd love to facilitate and be a part of your story. It's unbelievable. And it's unprecedented, to be honest, especially in these times. As uh, the PR associated with a church defaulting on payments is not good PR for a bank. <laughs> as you can imagine. And I understand that in our world. I really do understand that. But God has graciously called us. And here's the burden I carry and the burden we carry. The burden is that we are in tough economic times. The burden is that there are challenges. The burden is that these things are real. But there's another burden. It's called the mission of God in our time. It's another burden that I carry, is that inviting people into the mission of God is a mandate. Inviting people to live lives that are bigger than the smallness the enemy wants people to stay in is a mandate. It's a burden that we are called to respond to. Why? Because on the other side of buying into God's stories, there's freedom and life. And if you want to know why, it's all on the wall. We always put it on the wall. I always refer, we want to reach people who are far from God. Reach far. It's what we say yes to. It's why we say yes to certain things. And it's why we say no to certain things. We want to raise people up in Christ. We want to see people go. We want to see marriages raised up. See children raised up. See kingdoms raised up so that God can get all the glory. And we want to reach, release people for the kingdom of God with power inside them, with the knowledge of their sonship, with the knowledge of their identity in God. That's the mission we're a part of. And 70 people built this building. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't. Maybe you think some denomination somewhere with dollars or pounds or euros or any other currency sent over and built. No, that's not the case. Now, Wally and Shirley started gathering people, and then that people grew to about 70 people, and they said, we want to put a lampstand so that a future generation might have spacious places to encounter God and to see the mission of God fulfilled. 70 people built this building. I wasn't part of that 70. But God's calling us in our generation and our time to keep moving forward. And our mission has never changed as we navigate this, uh, this story. So as we've signed this lease and we've moved it, and, and, and maybe you think, this is difficult. This isn't difficult for me. It used to be difficult for me to talk about money and to express, to be brutally honest. I don't come from a church where we spoke about money. In, two, in eight and a half years, we've only done two series on finances, and yet the Bible speaks so much about finances, I've probably felt the rebuke of God not to teach in that space. We need to understand that where our treasure is there, our heart will be also. That's what Jesus says. And as we understand that and we fight that good fight, we allow our hearts to move with Jesus. And so at the start, as we jump into this, we are moving into buying that field. And with confidence, I know, with confidence and courage, I know this, that as a leadership and an eldership, we will lead the way. We wouldn't have got out the blocks without that conversation. There's only one group of people in the whole church who I ask and know that they are tithing. There's the eldership team. It's the only people in this church. I literally don't know. I cannot make a payment on the bank account. I don't check it. Why? Because my heart doesn't need that. 
So I live incredibly free with the knowledge that God provides, God fulfills, God will continue to see his kingdom advance, and, and it, it brings incredible liberty, and also the knowledge that the freedom that is found as we break off the shackles, Jesus took his people into a desert to rip off the economy of Egypt out of them. How did he do it? In a desert, where there was no economy of this earth. He said, I'm going to teach you a new economy. I'm going to bring manna, bring water from rocks. And I'm going to slowly rip out of 400 years of financial understanding where you think you understood how it was to live surviving. And I'm going to teach you what it means to be a son and daughter of the living God. And so all of that to say that we navigate and we aren't going to make every Sunday about fundraising and, and we will never take up an offering after we've spoken about finances. So there's no offering today. Relax. Lock the doors, Deacon Bob. That's not happening here. Just relax. But we are going to motivate to move and go on mission together. And here's the challenging thing, even for those who meet in Tabu, is we aren't receiving. It's not like you're getting fancier chairs because we're taking up offering. And we're going on a mission and we're buying a building. No, we just be a part of a story that goes on towards that. And we'll take up special offerings, one per month, for the next six months, as we're trusting God for big things. In the midst of challenging times, they're the natural. I'm going, God, I'd rather just stay at home and stay comfy and we all just gather here. And God says, now I've called you to something. Not just you, Mark. No, we've prayed about this as a team. We've had many discussions and we've been saving and building towards it because we knew God was going to call us to something. We didn't know what it was. To be honest, we thought it would be extending the walls of this building. We thought it would be a lot of things. And yet God spoke and has created an incredible opportunity. And so we're going to take up one offering per month in this. And here's what I want to ask uh, is that you would find faith and courage to participate. If it means starting with finding faith and margin in your personal finances, well, if you need help, please speak up. I mean that. I realize and I'm very aware that there are many people in our community and many people in our world fighting debt right now. Well, let's go on a faith journey together and get you from in debt into freedom. And I'm telling you, some need help. As the statement that I heard so many times in the month leading up to corona, I can afford it. And yet one, two months into lockdown, we were delivering food to very nice areas in our city, not just tough areas. Some of those things have been exposed. We need now the word of God to come there and bring freedom and life. And we get to do it in community. There are people who can help bring peace and order to your finances so that you can participate in something that has a generational future. And sees kingdom come. So we're going to navigate that. But, but again, as we navigate this, this is what we're asking. It's just a normal tithing envelope that we have. And we used to do corona. Don't you love that noise? <laughs> Sorry, this is me. I'm a naughty child inside. Um, we've done this. And we haven't taken up cash offerings at church for the last two years. We've just started again because of COVID. And so we're going to hand these out. And please take it. You don't have to take it. But as the doors, which is just a statement of faith. But inside... There's not a pledge form, there's nothing. This is a faith statement that we'd love to, you to consider and pray about and say, I can give 50 rand a month for the next six months. I can give a once-off. I can give this. I can be a part of this. There's no name on this. So don't worry, no one's going to phone you. I'm not going to send Big Bad Michael to come and fetch. I mean, I know he's so intimidating and that little, little beard that's cute. I'm not going to send anyone. And no one's going to call. But this is an ability for us to be able to plan a little bit, be able to say what measure of faith that we have as we step in and we navigate the scenes. But more than that, it's a statement to commit in my heart as we quickly forget. And we will not manipulate. And we will not cajole. And if you cannot find peace in your heart and you cannot find joy in your heart to participate in this project, here's what I'm going to ask you. Please do not give a cent. 
I mean it. I'm not trying to be offensive. I mean it. I would like, hate nothing more than men and women to respond out of some kind of guilt yeah. or some kind of cajoling of a pastor because he made an ask. But if you can find joy in the mission of God advancing, if you can find joy in people being reached for the kingdom of God, if you can find joy in people, dead lives being raised to life in God, if you can find joy in people being released wide for the kingdom of God that looks like endeavors into the city and reaching out into the darkest parts, the hardest realities of our city, then participate. Do that by taking these forms as we endeavor to in the next six months. And, and I don't know exactly how we're going to do it. And just like Jeremiah's situation, it doesn't make sense. But we're looking to raise six million in the next six months. And I'm telling you, God's going to do it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you God's going to do it. And he's going to do it from unlikely sources. He's going to provide. He's going to provide. He's going to lead us as we continue on this mission. But can you stand with me as I share one more thing with us? I have, um, I've been in church my whole life. I've only been in two churches. This is the second one. I was in one church for 20 years. When I was 16 years old, they had a building fund much like this. They were navigating a building as we used to meet in a circus tent, a far less comfortable situation than this. Plastic chairs in a circus tent in Durban in summer. I'll leave the rest up to your imagination. <laughs> 35 degrees, dust, and very uncomfortable, but God was there. A bunch of hippies encountered the living God. It changed everything. And and you know what I did at 16? I said, I'm too young. I'm not in a cellular. I've discounted myself from participating. And yet, yet I actually could have. Because there are many, I, I, I do want to be like Jesus. So if the Bible calls us to anything, it's one thing to be like Jesus. Yeah. I want to be like Jesus. But then we're given a whole bunch of other characters in the Bible that we can go, I like that. I want to be like that. I want to be like David, unabandoned in his worship. Powerful and influential in his leadership and learning and a, a man who made mistakes but rose up again to trust God. I want to be like, I want to be like Mary who stayed at the, when all the disciples ran, she stayed at the cave. She encountered, I want to be like Mary. But I realized as I've looked at all the characters, there's, there's a, a lesser known character that I want to be like. I want to be like a young boy who when Jesus had 5,000, probably a lot more people in front of him said to his disciples, what do we have to feed them? And this was the response. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? To be honest, I feel like that in so many ways, my own life. I didn't want to be a preacher. I didn't think anyone would listen, to be brutally honest. But God spoke. I didn't think we could build anything. I didn't know. I didn't think we could go on adventures. I didn't know if we had the license to. I didn't know if we could trust God to reach far. But God just kept asking, will you bring five barley loaves and two fish? All I'm going to ask you is, will you be like a little boy? Not like a king or a martyr. In this season, at this time, even if you're under pressure, especially if you're under pressure, I want to ask us that God would bring order and peace in our finances not just at a corporate level, but as individual levels, my heart burns to hear the pressure people under. We are going to trust God for jobs in this season, and I'm telling you, we're going to see miracle upon miracle. We're going to trust God for breakthroughs. We're going to see debt released in this season, in this community, as a community. We're going, we're going to see it because our God is a miracle-working God. He's a way-making king. 
And I know in this room there are single moms, and I know in this room there are tough financial situations, and I know in this room there's a whole bunch of things going on, but I know Jesus. And I want to be like Jeremiah who trusts the Word of God even though I'm in a prison and the M is all around. God says, buy that field. We're going to buy a field. We're going to see salvations. We're going to see miracles. And we're going to see the peace of God come in this season. You know what? We're just going to be like little boys who say, here's my fish. Here's my loaves. God, could you feed? Could you do something with that? That was an amazing sermon. If you would like to find out what your next step is, why don't you go to our website, lifechanges.org.za or follow us on social media to find out about what is happening in the life of our church. Life Changes Church, we love you. Have an amazing, amazing week.